do I think it's going to be another 07? Probably not. Do I think that we're going to see some uh, pullback at some point in the next year or two? I would say so. Do I think that there could definitely be some fallout from what's happening right now with coronavirus? Absolutely. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. We're doing the Creative Real Estate Podcast, which as some of you know, we have a current change, which is kind of cool. So not just one host, but two. So Mr. Jason Lewis. Jason Lewis, I actually wore this hat. So I was like, what's my coolest hat? Because Lewis is probably going to wear a really solid hat. So I put this one on because I think it's my coolest one. And you didn't wear a hat. I, well, I have, I have one up in the back there. Uh, that's my, my uh, buffalo winter <laughs> hat. So, Got um, it. So, yeah. So oh, Jason, it's, it's here. Jason Lewis, I'm going to just call you J. Lou because that's what you grew up being called. So J. Lou, and then if, if I say Jason, I'm probably going to be talking about Jason Roberts. So we're going to get into the show. I'm going to share just a bit about Jason Roberts with you right now because uh, he's an incredible, like an incredible guy. He's crushing it in in real estate doing uh, all sorts of creative real estate and getting into like apartments and other commercial real estate, which he's just so cool. And I'm glad to have him. He's actually one of the coaches in um, a group that I'm a part of. So if you, if y'all know who Sean McCloskey is, there's this group called leadership boardroom and Jason's one of the coaches in, in that group. So there's about 12 of us and such an amazing group. And so everything I know about Jason is more on the personal level, plus that his business just crushes it. They, they pull in quite a bit each year. And so you, the listener, and the Facebook watcher, because we're live on Facebook right now, are going to be able to get some of these uh, tips, tricks, and strategies that Jason Roberts uses day in and day out in his creative real estate business, in his coaching program, which, by the way, I think we'll talk a little bit about as we speak, coronavirus is crushing some of us that have that host events. I know I had to cancel all my March, April, and May events, and I think Jason's uh, lowered it down to just four events for the rest of the year. So it's going to be really fun diving into this. So Jason Roberts, uh, do me a giant favor. Do the listener a giant favor. Tell them a little bit more about how you got into real estate, and then we'll get it off with the questions. Um, I got into real estate and I guess to, to put it right, how I got into real estate, I opened a mortgage company when I was 21, kind of on a whim. Um, I was going to college full-time when I was 18 and working full-time and decided that the college route wasn't for me. And kind of on a whim, some of the guys that left the company I was working for went into the mortgage business. And at, at 21, I thought, you know, I just called down to the Missouri division of finance and said, what does it take to open a mortgage company? And they sent me this packet in the mail and a year later, I had everything that was on the packet in order to open, um, but I had no idea what I was doing. It was a complete train wreck. Um, we were in the spare bedroom of my condo, and um, a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, uh, a lot of mistakes, a lot of doing things wrong, and we built that company up really big. We built it to about 100 employees. We were doing close to $20 million a year annual revenue at one point. Um, I'm not saying that to say, hey, look at me, because you know, 2007 came for me like it came for everyone else in that industry. And, um, you know, we weren't, we weren't financially irresponsible, but, you know, we had 
a, a significant amount of reserves, but we went from bringing in millions of dollars a month to losing eighty, ninety thousand dollars a month, month after month after month, and and we bled like that for two and a half years, man, and, and until there was no more money left to bleed, and lost my own house to, to foreclosure, cars repossessed, uh, homeless. I mean, the, the whole bit, um, all, uh, everything that we had worked for all that time was was stripped away and gone. So um, it was actually during that time that I went to a seminar. I went to a four-day short sale wealth training, and the guy had, it was Sean that, that was teaching it before I met him. Um, and the whole entire time, you know, the, every time he's ever done that event, it's always been a $2,000 event to, to attend. And for whatever reason, the one and only time in history he did it for free was the time that I went. And, you know, had it not been free, I, I wouldn't have been there. But, you know, we, uh, we spent four days there. We took an infinite amount of notes. And uh, we came back and, and we just, we just man, inspiration or desperation, I always say, is, is one of the best motivators. And we, we were desperate. I mean, we were desperate to eat. We were desperate to, to try to pay bills, um, you know. And we did 111 houses our very first year in real estate, you know, not, not really having ever done real estate investing before ever. 111 houses. And this was two and a half years after 2007? This was uh, two and a half years after 07. So two, October 2010 is when I met Sean. October 2010 is also when my Chapter 7 bankruptcy went through. Um, so, I mean, just to, to paint the picture, I was, I was wiped out, man. I was emotionally wiped out. I was financially wiped out. Um, and that was, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty upbeat guy, man. I wake up in the morning. I'm happy to be alive. I'm happy I've got my arms and legs. You know, I'm, I'm a grateful person. Uh, but, man watching everything that you've worked for get stripped away from you over the course of a couple of years. Um, you know, I was, was in a dark place and that, that seminar really kind of shifted my mindset to say, all right, enough's enough. If I, if I want, if I want life to change, I got to change. If I want something different, I got to do something different, you know? And yeah, uh, we, we just, we went back to work. So I've hosted meetups for several years. And one thing that I've noticed is there's always a few people in my meetup group that come every week for a year two years and so i'll see them like a hundred times and they haven't done a deal yet but there's something a little bit different in you where here it is day one we are 2010 filed chapter bankruptcy Uh, i don't remember what number you said but we, we filed bankruptcy and for some reason, you were able to do 111 houses. What do you think is the difference between that member who, who's been wanting to get into real estate for a year, two years? They've been going to all the things, but not yet done a deal. Uh, what do you think you could say to them that would help them get maybe not 111, but at least, you know, yeah. making it in the business? Man, I, I, back to the inspiration, desperation thing, uh, it, it, it's got to come from one of those two. You know, good is the enemy of great, and some of the most difficult people to coach real estate-wise are people that have it good right now. You know, they've got the W-2 job, the bills are paid, and there's really no consequence if they don't take action. For me, there was a consequence I wasn't going to eat. You know, to me, there was a consequence I wasn't going to have a vehicle, Um you know, when, when my cars got repossessed, I, I had nothing to drive. Like, I, I mean, that, that's real life. You know, that's not a, a story. That was my life. So I, I think that 
you've got to, you know, I, every time I'm in front of a room, I, I ask the question, how many of you have been wanting to do real estate for a year, two years, exactly what you just said? And, you know, half the room will raise their hand. And I say, you know, okay, let me ask you guys, if you had to make $100,000 in real estate investing in the next 30 days, how many of you believe you could do it? And virtually no one raises their hand. And I say, how about this? What if I took away from you, you know, think about, think in your mind right now of the most important thing to you, family, your husband, your wife, your children, whatever. Now think that I'm going to take that away from you and you're never, ever going to see them again for the rest of your life. If you don't make a hundred grand in real estate in the next 30 days, how many of you believe that you can make a hundred grand in the next 30 days in real estate? Everybody puts their hands up. It's, it's, and, and I think there's, there's something psychological to notice from that. And I think a big part of it is like, when there's enough on the line, we'll show up, right? But but when things are good and everything's okay, and we're not we're not in a position where we're really inspired or desperate enough to do it, then we have to put ourselves we have to paint ourselves in a corner. We have to find you know accountability. We have to find a mastermind. We have to find something that causes us to take action, even when we don't want to. What do you think thing what do you think are a few things that can help us take more action? Um I, I think accountability is a huge thing, you know. Um you, you mentioned our, our mastermind group, man. I mean it, it's not fun to show up in, in an environment like that with others after you made commitments of the things that you wanted to do three months before and get there and say, Hey, sorry guys, I didn't do a single thing and everyone else goes around a room and talks about their accomplishments and you say, well, I was just busy and make a bunch of excuses, right? That's embarrassing. You have to find what works for you. It, it's different for everybody. Everybody's pain point is different. You know, for some people it's financial. We've had some, I've had students that are extremely political. Um, you know, I mean, they, they are either diehard Republican or diehard Democrat and We've gone as far to make them write a $5,000 check to the candidate that they, you know, the, the person on, on earth that they hate the most, like the polar opposite side of their belief systems and write a check out to their campaign and say, if you don't hit these things by the next retreat, you have to, you have to mail that check in. You've just got to find, I think you've got to find what works for you. What's, what's something that's extremely painful for you and paint yourself into a corner, you know, especially if you're somebody that has a good job and has income and bills are paid you've got to find something else that motivates you because when you're at your W2 job, there's consequences if you don't do your work, right? I mean, you can't not send, if you're in the marketing department, you can't not do marketing for a week and expect to keep your job. But in your real estate business, if you're the boss, um, the perception is nothing really happens, right? The reality is a lot happens. You're, you're going to stay at that job forever if you don't do something about it. Jason, so in, go ahead, go ahead, Jason. Talk about bankruptcy. I mean, that's yeah. a major fear for a lot of people. You know, my dad, uh, I grew up a farm kid. We had a couple thousand acres, 800 head of hogs, 800 head of cattle, like third, third generation farmer bankrupt because of a Russia beef embargo when my dad went, you know, all in in the eighties. So that's been a chip on my shoulder since I was seven years old, literally every day, the, the BK, those two words have been there. So like, that's a major fear for a lot of people is, over leveraging, over risking, and getting to that point. And um, talk maybe a little bit about that bankruptcy, what it meant to you, and then, you know, kind of what the creative ways that, that you dealt with that, that got you to where you are today. Good question, man. Um, I, first of all, I was super ashamed of it. Um, I was, I was, from the time I was born, you know, I mean, as, as a child, it was beat into me. 
you know, your job as a man is to work and provide and, and pay your bills. Um, it was it was not okay to pay things late. It was not okay to borrow. It was not okay to ask for things, for help, for handout, for anything. Um, I mean, I, I paid for the majority of my, my first car when I was 16, and, and the rest was, you know, I, I paid back. Um, it was it was not okay. I had a 800 credit score. We had hundreds of millions of dollars lines of credit because, you know, we were a mortgage lender and we did a lot of loans. Um, I, I was proud of that. I was proud that my bills were paid. I was proud that I never paid a late payment ever in my whole entire life. So a lot of my identity, I didn't realize it at the time, but a lot of my identity was, was tied to that. So when I'm watching my own house go into foreclosure and not being able to pay bills, having to make a choice, do I pay the office rent or my house payment? That sucked, man. Um, that was a, a, a super, super tough emotional time for me. And then being faced with, with having to file bankruptcy, you know, Missouri's a deficiency judgment state. So when your million dollar house sells at foreclosure auction for 500 grand, you still owe that other 500 grand, even though you're never going to have that house back. And and that was at the time where the mortgage business came out with net, the NMLS, which means you had to be licensed. And in order to have a license, you couldn't be delinquent on anything. So the only way they were going to allow my mortgage company to stay in business was if I paid that half a million dollar deficiency judgment off or filed Chapter 7 bankruptcy. So, um, you know, it was, it was the, the most painful time of my life, no doubt, um, beyond, beyond measure, the most painful time of my life. However, looking back on it now, it was absolutely one of the best things that has ever happened to me in my life. Um, that whole downturn just reshaped the way I view things. Um, on so many different levels, from being a slave to my business, to debt, to paint, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, my companies today are completely debt-free. Does this coronavirus thing suck? Absolutely. Are we really worried about it? Not really. Um, I, I mean, I, I wake up in the morning and there is zero anxiousness around this because I don't have $100,000 a month worth of overhead stuff to pay for anymore. Um, it, it's extremely minimal because we've paid for everything with the money that we've made. We built our businesses in a way that paid for things instead of financing things. And, you know, you can make an argument about debt. You can make an argument about leverage. I'll have that conversation all day long. But I, I'm not scared right now. I'm not worried right now. I'm not financially strapped right now. And, I'm not again, I'm not saying, hey, look at me. What I'm saying is I'm seeing a lot of people with Airbnbs and leverage rental portfolios that are at 95% LTV and – their renters aren't paying and they're freaking out and, and a lot of people are going to lose. Um, they're going to lose a lot during, during this next six months. And um, I, I'm not happy about that. I'm, it sucks. I, I know how it feels, but it, it, it reshaped the way that I view things. What's someone who hasn't gone through that bankruptcy prior? Uh, what's the couple takeaways that the power of that, uh, you know, quick, couple seconds on those that you might be able to share for someone so they don't go through that, but they can take that away and learn in this maybe recession and coming out of it. So uh, they can do what you did without the actual BK. Everything looks good on paper, right? Um, all those, those, the $63 a month positive cash flow single family rental that you just did. Um, Everything looks good on paper when, when it looks good in a perfect world. What you have to plan for is when, when the world isn't perfect. If, if it's still a deal when the world isn't perfect, then in my book, it's a deal, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, and again, I'm not saying debt is all bad. We, we've done some apartment building stuff that we have debt on, but it's, it's at 50% LTV or, or less. Um, our cash flow is absolutely ridiculous. Even if we have renters that quit paying, it doesn't matter because it's still positive. Um, start looking. You know, I've helped a lot of real estate investors that have five, $10 million worth of single family rental um, transition their rental portfolio, get rid of some of the trouble properties, get rid of some of the aggravating properties, use the money that you make from selling that to, to kind of transition their rental portfolio to be a more debt-free rental portfolio. Yeah, maybe instead of 100 houses, now they have 50, but they don't have any debt on them. There, there's no debt on it anymore. Like, you know, and so what's happening right now uh, doesn't really have the same impact. And I don't think it's responsible to go into any type of real estate thinking that something like this can't happen because historically it, do- it happens every eight years. Historically, sure. something like this happens. So I think we just have to, it's great that your stuff looks good on paper when the market's great. What happens if things shift? You know, create reserve accounts. One of the things that we did with our lending business, we take 33% of the money that we make. We make 10 grand doing a hard money loan. We take 33% of that 10 grand, $3,333, and we put it in a reserve account and do not touch it in case anyone ever defaults in the future. And, and we've got so much money in that reserve account that all of our hard money loans could go, could just quit paying us for a year and, and we would have more than enough to cover it. Um, but prior to that, I would have never done that. I would have never kept that kind of, I wouldn't have taken 33% of the gross and set it to the side. Um, but I, I think you have to look at all of your investments like that. You know, if you're doing Airbnb and you're not taking 20, 25% of the gross rents and shoving it in a side account somewhere for a rainy day. Um, you're cutting it too skinny, man. You're, 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 you're being too risky in my opinion. So in 2010, you did 111 deals and were these lease options? Were these, what kind of deals were these back then? 2011. And it was, um, it was all short sale that year. Every single one of those was a short sale. So what is, what is a short sale just for the listener? What's a quick yep. definition? So someone who is facing foreclosure, someone that a, a foreclosure filing has been made, they haven't gone to auction yet. Um, you know, in, in my state, it's 21 days from the date that it's filed to the day it goes to auction. Most other places in the country, it's four, five, six, eight months. Um, but our process in Missouri is 21 days. Either way, it's, it's getting with the homeowner and, helping them be able to sell their home outside of foreclosure. And if they're upside down, if they owe 300 grand on a house that's worth 200 grand, us negotiating with the lender to forgive that deficiency and allowing the homeowner to walk away basically scot-free. So with where we are today, do you see that we might be having to do more of these short sales over the next year or two? I'm anticipating it. You know, nobody has a crystal ball and, and nobody can predict the future, but, but historically since really the beginning of time, um, or at least since the beginning of banking and that, you know, every, every six, eight years, there is a, there's an ebb and flow in the real estate market, right? Um, we're, we're probably a couple years past due on that. So I, do I think it's going to be another 07? Probably not. Do I think that we're going to see some, uh, pull back at some point in the next year or two? I would say so. Do I think that there could definitely be some fallout from what's happening right now with coronavirus? Absolutely. All right. So I got a couple questions before the final five. The one is just what are we to look for 
to even know or understand when it's time for foreclosures? Like what's the, what's the uh, trigger that you'll see? Is it house prices? Is it, is it how days on market? What's that trigger? What's that thing we will look for to know if we should be implementing the strategy? And then also take me back to the very first one that you did, because when you're doing your first deal, um, it's stressful. You're going through a lot and you're learning a lot on that very first deal. So um, give us the story of the first deal that will at least inspire someone that's never done one of these to be able to uh, navigate the waters on their first one. Yep. First thing I would say is if you're going to do it, if you're going to do short sales, get some training on it. It is not, it is not the same type of regular type of real estate deal where you make an offer to the seller, the seller accepts it, you go to closing. There, there's an entire process of submitting a package to the lender. If that, if that package isn't exactly how the lender wants it, they'll kick it out and you'll say, ah, short sales are so hard. Um, it, it, it is a specific process. So make sure you, you know, sending in six pages of bank statements and page six is blank. So you left it out because there wasn't a single word on it. They're going to kick your file out for anything, any stupid reason that they can. So make sure that you're doing it right. Make sure that you're submitting everything properly, exactly how you can, and just follow up constantly. You know, they're not, um, it's not something that, that is super efficient. It's not something that logically makes sense. So you just constant follow up, constant follow up, constant follow up. Um, and understand that in the short sale world, taking four months to close a deal is, is kind of normal. So if, if they don't close in three weeks, right? They close in four, five, six months that we've closed deals that went, went out for a year and a half. Um, so I always tell people, build a pipeline, you know, build a pipeline of 10, 15, 20 deals that you're working at any given point because we never really know for sure when they're going to close, but they will close. Okay, so on what is something that we would notice to say it's, it's short, to- short sell time, baby? Yeah. Um, it's tough to predict that, but like everything that's going on right now it could spell that out, right? Um, unemployment is a, is a big factor in that. People losing jobs, um, industry shifts, um, banking starting to freeze up, you know, lending starting to freeze up, people that are falling upon financial hardship. You know, one thing that we monitor is just the, the actual foreclosure filings on a daily basis. Um, and you know, even on a monthly basis, start pulling that stuff and you can watch, you can watch the trends start to happen in real time. Um, and it's, it's going to be a reflection of what's going on. You know, I know a lot of lenders are saying that they're going to give people forbearances and things like that, but man, um, that's what they said in 2007 too. You know, we, we gave out, the government gave out billions of dollars of TARP money that was supposed to go to, uh, lenders to help homeowners and, and, they did it for a minute with loan modifications, but very quickly um, after the, the publicity of we're trying to help people, you couldn't get a loan not approved anymore. So um, I, I would not bank my future on that. I would, I would you know, really look at your options. Very interesting. So here's what we're going to do. I'm sure that when we get back from break, Jason Roberts is going to have an insane uh, deal to share for his most creative deal. And so we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back in just a few seconds. Hey, it's Adam Adams and I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses the traditional way, you know it takes a lot of money. 
putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus, you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes. Well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses? A way that didn't require much upfront capital, a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle, and best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to quit your job and flip houses full-time. It's called Fix and List Deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the Fix and List strategy over the last four years, and he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the Fix and List strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. Jason Roberts, let's start off with the top five questions. Most creative deal? Probably this 22-unit apartment building that I just did. Um, and the reason why it was creative is we have a nonprofit that took that signed a master lease for all 22 units. And amidst everything that's going on right now, we still get our full rent every month. Awesome. What city is that? Kansas City, Missouri. It was actually a coaching student that brought us the deal. We partnered on it with them, and uh, it's it's incredible. Awesome. Book, what do you recommend? Oh, man, I could give a million books. Um, one of the ones that, uh, gosh, I, I would say Traction is, is one that we've really yeah. kind of paid attention to lately. I know a lot of people have read that book. Um, and, and another one, I know I'm supposed to give one, E-Myth. Um, I, I think just for so many entrepreneurs, they just don't get it. You know, figure out what you are, entrepreneur, manager, technician, figure it out. Awesome. Five years where you were in the past, five years where you see yourself in the future. Five years in the past, we were really uh, transitioning from, to, to building a business that served us instead of us serving our business. Um, biggest change I've ever made in business is to not be a slave to it anymore. Build it to where you can have a life at the same time. Um, we run five different companies, several of them multi-million dollar companies, and I work 10 to 2, three or four days a week. Um, figure out how to do that. It's absolutely doable. Five years from now, man, um, We've really transitioned more into the into the giving space, uh, the education that we do, transforming lives, being able to take somebody out of corporate America and show them how to have a life, show them how to have uh, a family, show them how to have uh, a marriage, how to be able to have the time to do that, but also the income to do it is the most rewarding thing that I get to do in my life. So, go, you know, expanding that umbrella, um, bigger, touching more lives, changing more lives um, is really where my heart's at. Awesome. Well, that's it. A uh, perfect transition to the next question is how do you give back? Yeah, uh, my partner Rachel and I started a 501c3 called the Hope Project several years ago, and we take 10% of the growth off of all of our different companies and divert it to the Hope Project, and then we just really put it on you know whatever whatever God puts on our heart to do. If we come across something in need, if we come across you know anything that we can help, um, the money's sitting there, and it's. it's gives me a whole new meaning for, I like to build businesses. It gives me a whole new, re, whole new reason for building businesses because we get to do something good with it. Awesome. And what's uh, one way people can reach out if they maybe have a question about your, your education or maybe a, a question here in the future about bankruptcy or short sales or something, something they can reach out to you. What's the best way? If I give one, um, we'll say uh, Facebook, REI Blueprint. 
Um, look us up on Facebook, like the page, shoot us a message. All of our team and following and everybody's super active on there and, and happy to help in any way we can. Jason Roberts, I just want to say thank you for all the time that you spent with us going through your business, talking about the bankruptcy, talking about your first deal, talking about what's going on in the market today, what you're seeing, and how that's going to affect the listener. I'm really, really grateful for all the time that you spent. I'm going to let you go, brother. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. This is Jason J. Lou Lewis, co-host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I want to say it's an absolute honor to have you as a listener, and we thank you for tuning in today. We also want to thank our sponsor, FixAndListSecrets.com. They have that great free video lesson, and in that video lesson, you will learn to never struggle to find or fund your next fix and flip deal again. Learn how to flip houses without ever taking out a mortgage or a hard money loan. You can now flip houses full-time and not have the risk of losing money in a real estate market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, and this is it. Visit FixAndListSecrets.com. See you on the next episode.